Listeners, welcome back to Forging Employee Experience. I'm Josh Dreen, and today we have a very special guest on the show, Lewis Garrett. Lewis, how are you today? I'm great, thanks, Josh. Thanks for inviting me. Lewis is a chartered IO psychologist and people scientist for Mercer. He is focused on the design and development of employee attitude research programs, talent assessment, and performance interventions. He has written several articles for Harvard Business Review and has designed and implemented some of the world's largest global engagement programs. Lewis is also a board committee member of the Institute for Human Resource Professionals in Singapore. Uh, tell us, how did you get to Singapore? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so um, I started my career in the UK. You can probably tell my strange British accent here. It's and, lovely. Uh, yeah, and so actually sometimes people, uh, folks think I'm Australian. My wife is from New Zealand, and so I have this Aussie twang, but uh, very British, born and raised in London. Uh, and I was working um, for a company of psychologists and engineers doing this, you know, these employee engagement work. Uh, and I moved actually to open our uh, business for, for a company called Sorota. Um, and we chose Singapore for that, uh, for that office in Asia because, as I said before, you know, it's a great place uh, to come to, um, you know, the government is really pro-business. The, the sort of people here over here, uh, there's a lot of good talent. So, um, you know, you can get a lot of ideas. Uh, and, you know, and Asia is fascinating to me. I'm a very curious person. Uh, so I came over this side of the world, you know, to really to explore, to learn a bit about myself and about mm -hmm. different cultures. And it's an ex really diverse part of the world. That's wonderful. And, and I have read your articles on HBR. I, I have listened to some of your talks up on YouTube and some of the videos are, that are available. And I just absolutely am a big fan of your style and, and some of your passions, one of them being employee engagement. You've written extensively on the subject. And so the reason we brought you on the show is because we want to learn a little bit more about what you have to say in that sphere. So I guess before we jump too far into this, how would you define employee engagement? Well, I mean, I know there is a lot of different uh, interpretations of it, but I usually describe it as the sort of passion and energy that people bring to their work, you know, um, how enthusiastic they are uh, about what they do. And, um, you know, I think that often translates into higher productivity, better performance, um, sometimes when I'm talking to companies about it or other colleagues, uh, I often also think of it as the relationship that someone has with the organization they work for, you know, the sense of connection to what that organization stands for, uh, both the, you know, their, their emotional connection to it, their psychological uh, investment in it. Um, so all of those things, you know, sort of come together to, to define engagement for me. Yeah, that's a wonderful definition. And I think every company would agree that that's the kind of employee that they want. Someone who is just passionate about the work that they're doing. They can rally behind the cause that the company is working for. And they give 110%. It's not just a matter of coming to work nine to five. It's about committing yourself, being engaged, and overall just adding value to the people that they're working to serve. Right. I mean, um, you know, I, I sometimes uh, talk in sort of practical terms about, look, you know, we've all um, 
been at work and you know uh, experienced people who uh, who we can define as highly engaged. We know what it looks like, and I think that's one of the reasons why it became such an, a popular topic because you know as uh, so so many leaders know employee engagement when they see it right and so they've been looking for ways to try and measure it understand it and get a better handle on it because uh when they do see it they they believe that it adds a lot of value for their business absolutely and 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 answer me this where where do companies go wrong in that aspect because we can sense it we can feel it it just yeah there's a feeling of engaged employees and, and the productivity and the performance that goes along with that. But when you really get into it and you look at the numbers, we are still struggling to engage our employees all over the world, especially in the United States. It's just, we're pouring so much money into this field and we're seeing very little return. What, what is going on? Well, like, I mean, so I think you've got to start with how companies uh, measure it. Um, so I think, you know, most organizations, uh, when they take an interest in something, the first thing they try and figure out how, uh, is uh, how to measure it. And I think that's important. You know, um, I think it's cliche, but it's true that what gets measured gets managed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, over the last, let's say, 20 or so years, we've seen a boom in the um, number of employee feedback programs, you know, often in the form of surveys, really focused on mm-hmm. trying to understand how engaged people are at work. Um, I think that work, you know, I do a lot of that work and I've been part of a lot of that work. I think it can be really valuable if it's done well. But often I think um, organizations get really obsessed with the metrics associated with engagement and that I think distracts them from some of the value that they can um, they can extract not just from that data but from you know the kind of feedback that employees can give so I mean my, my sense of it is is that you know we've started or we got to a place where we basically see engagement as synonymous with some sort of employee survey score Mm-hmm, and right. um, that can be, I think, somewhat distracting from the main purpose and the point of these programs, which is really to learn about people's experiences at work. You know, what it really like to be in the organization? What does, you know, how, do, what kind of questions should we use to interrogate that? Um, and what does that tell us about, you know, engagement, a uh, sense of thriving in the workforce? Uh, all of those things that are that are so important to people these days. Yeah, it's it's very interesting as we watch this HR tech boom happen. Yeah. That now we have numbers and now we can actually track the hard data and we have reports to give to the C-suite executives about all of the the great work that we're doing in HR. And yet, you're right. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the numbers and trying to drive the progress there that we forget that we are trying to create an experience at work and we're trying to, to help people be better people at work. And so it seems yeah. sometimes that the, the people get lost in the numbers and the data. Well, and I, I also think that, um, so that I agree with that. I totally, I think you can learn a lot. I think data-driven approaches to talent, to engagement are really important because otherwise what do you have? Just belief and hearsay and anecdotes and, you know, so taking a strong evidence-based approach uh, to HR in general, I think HR tech is really helping with that. Um, But then, you know, 
uh, you, you often find a lot of organizations taking overly simplistic approaches to creating employee experience and you know driving employee engagement um, so you know very often I think people get confused between let's say employee happiness which you know it's just positive affect in the workplace people liking it and real engagement and productivity you know people really investing themselves in their work um, and so that's why you see things like pizza parties or I don't know other enforced fun uh, as labeled as employee engagement initiatives <laughs> I don't know, free fruit in the canteen or something and there you go, none yeah. of those things really drives engagement you know it's nice but it, it, whether or not it's really uh, delivering business value, I think is a completely different question. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think that sometimes large corporations gravitate to that approach because it's a Band-Aid approach. It's a, a quick fix. It's a, a short-term gain. And, and you can see a jump in the numbers by implementing some of these short-term employee initiatives. But in the long run, we kind of settle back down to our, our normal scores and it didn't actually have the change that we needed to see. And, For sure. and, and yeah, I, I feel like you're absolutely right on that. And I just wanted to jump into a, to one of your, your Harvard Business Review articles that actually just dropped last week. Um, I loved the title. It is, Is Employee Engagement Just a Reflection of Personality? In this article, there is fascinating research. There are some fascinating discoveries. Tell us a little bit about uh, your idea of putting this together and where this article came from. Yeah, so I mean, a shout out to the co-authors, uh, Tomas Chamara Pramusic and Didier Elzinger, because um, you know, as many, as many of these things kind of start with just conversations about the problems with this kind of work. And um, you know, one of the things we were pondering is, you know, why do so many companies really struggle to change engagement in the way that they would like to you know they feel they put a lot of effort in they don't always see the shift um, and you know we this meta-analysis that came out of Michigan State University uh, really caught our attention because the researchers had gone through and um, looked at a lot of different papers um, measuring personality and engagement you know the sort of uh, and that's work engagement, vigor, absorption, absorption, dedication to your work, you know, real um, engagement. And what it showed was that, you know, any, any up to half of someone's engagement with their work is predicted by elements in their personality, particularly if they're optimistic, you know, outgoing, uh, hardworking, you know, this is these prudent, conscientious people. They tend to be more engaged. Uh, you know, put another way, people who like working, are easier to engage <laughs> and you know it's like okay um, you know that kind of makes sense you know like, I get that and so actually what we sort of talk through in the rest of the article is okay so the, the next logical uh, maybe um, place to go is well can I just hire these people uh, you know I, then I wouldn't have to worry about you know creating employee engagement initiatives mm -hmm. and so we push back on that in the article we're talking about how impractical that is um, you know, it's not a leadership strategy. Why? Because if you surround yourself with people who are optimistic and easygoing, you know, they might be engaged, but they might, uh, you, you might not be able to get the kind of signals you need from them uh, to understand if there are real problems in the business. You know, sometimes 
people giving you negative feedback or uh, being disengaged is a leading indicator of a of an emerging business problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you just hire people who 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 don't react, you know, they're more resilient, maybe. So that's great, but they don't react to an emerging business problem. It's more difficult to learn that it's that it's coming. Um, you know, we also talk about the fact that actually uh, often some of the most critical and um, frustrated employees, people who challenge the status quo, sure, they might be more difficult to engage, but those people are often quite creative. They bring new ideas. Uh, they want to break things and remake them. And I'm sure we can all think of famous innovators that perhaps had personalities that were a bit like that. Right. And it's really fascinating to kind of link some of your HBR uh, articles together. I mean, in the dark side of high employee engagement, you actually talk about um, how often we might undermine the benefits of negative thinking. Yeah. If, we, if we remove everyone with negative opinions and negative thoughts, then we don't have a holistic view of what we can actually do to build a better work culture. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're right. We don't want to just hire these positive, extroverted, happy, work together with everyone people because uh, then we kind of lose out on some of the, that demographic diversity. Exactly. I mean, cognitive diversity is such an important part of team performance. And uh, if you hire all these people who are exactly the same, actually you, you lose a potential performance driver. Um, and you're right, in the dark side of engagement, one of my biggest concerns around engagement work in general is that, um, you know, many organizations uh, really think of engagement as uh, a way to get everybody aligned. And, you know, it's about drinking the corporate Kool-Aid, right? Mm-hmm. You know, really buying right. into the culture. And one of my concerns there was, okay, but if everybody was so enamored with it, would they ever point out the problems, sort of push back on things that might need changing. And I think we can, and and in the dark side of engagement, uh, that piece, we sort of point to companies that potentially had those kinds of challenges and issues um, where, you know, people were so in love with the organization, so engaged with it, that they potentially didn't see external threats coming uh, and didn't innovate quick enough to, to, to keep up with external market changes. So, you know, how do you balance that? I think that's a really interesting and important challenge that a lot of companies uh, need to face. Right, especially with, with managers being aware of that, you know, because sometimes managers, <laughs> probably more often than not, managers are difficult to get along with. And personalities kind of, they butt heads and they create this like culture where employees are afraid to stand up and they're afraid to say what they're really thinking because they don't want to stir the pot too much, just knowing the way that their manager is. But when you truly open up the world of diversity and and bring in managers who are open to new ideas and who are open to listening to the employee experience, I think that's when you start to get that real and authentic feedback. Yeah. One of the things that, I've, uh, that I, re- I liked recently was uh, a book by a professor at London Business School called Dan Cable. And Dan, uh, I think, does a nice job of sort of explaining why a lot of industrial era management practices um, actually destroy employee engagement. And the reason is, is that they're very fear-driven. You know, they're about control. 
uh, and uh, uniformity, which obviously for an industrial era business, if you're trying to, let's say, manufacture large volumes of, of cars or something, it kind of makes sense. You know, your tr consistency, uniformity, reliability is, is so key. Um, but these days, you know, it's interesting if you see sort of the shift in our economy where um, we're increasingly expecting computers and machines to be able to take over large volumes of transactional work, leaving people to be focused on the more relationship-driven or expertise-driven mm, yes. problem-solving work. And that's where engagement adds a lot of value, right? And where we want these more creativity and collaboration. And, you know, Dan makes a good point. He focuses on three things, self-expression, experimentation, and the sense of purpose as driving, you know, uh, human motivation and, uh, and engagement. And I think it's really interesting to see organizations forging forward and, you know, finding ways to enable people to express themselves uh, in the office to, and in their team to, um, you know, experiment a bit more freely and, you know, how, how, people, how much people enjoy those things and uh, how much more productive they are and how much more they deliver when they're able to do that. I think those are important and interesting messages around, you know, the change in management style and thinking that's required uh, to really be successful in the, in the modern uh, business world. Absolutely. I, I very much enjoyed listening to your Disrupt HR talk. Just six minutes of power talking very, very much about some of these things. I think the initial question that you ask is, could a robot do your job? And if so, yes. we might need to reconsider a little bit um, some of not just the, the work that we do, but the way that we manage, because you, you kind of painted the perfect manager. And then you also pointed us to the fact that it kind of sounds a little robotic and that's not what we want. We want a more engaged workforce and we want more people to be creative and use their personality to just innovate and do their job better. And I, I feel like we're still a long way off from having robots be able to take over that much. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so um, I do think that though, that if you like, I often get asked, okay, look, tell me what programs in an organization really work. Like what, what actually helps to create a more engaging employee experience, if you put it that way. Mm. And so I often start with, look, um, engagement is a response to effective leadership. Um, so you have to ask who's in charge and how you make decisions about who's in charge. Um, leadership is consequential. It really matters. It matters in terms of who makes decisions and why they make those decisions. But it also matters in terms of the culture that mm. gets built. And the reason is, is that people are really sensitive to status. Um, hierarchies are natural, uh, you know, all human communities have them, um, and social groups or businesses, no matter, you know, uh, you know, what form of community and people get, are very sensitive to, uh, folks of higher status. So if you're a manager or a leader, people will watch your behavior very carefully. And this is why I think it's interesting that, you know, today we're starting to recognize that, you know, if self-expression, experimentation are important, then you need leadership to be able to encourage that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, that requires a slightly different type of behavior, I think, than in the past. You know, in the past, um, control, command and control behaviors, I think, were effective for getting things done quickly. But these days, 
you know, it's much more about facilitating a sense of not just collaboration, but that people can come forward and really say what they think. Because in teams like that, you learn quickly, you make better decisions about uh, in, a, in a faster way, and you make more progress. And I think uh, that's really uh, like uh, rethinking leadership is one of the things that um, I really think needs to happen. And there's some really good work like Jeffrey Pfeffer and people like that talking about how much leadership development these days is just edutainment, right? It's, it's there to entertain executives. Um, but whether or not it actually makes them more effective leaders is the, the jury is still out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you just touched on something that I really want to get into a little bit because I, I think you're right that back in the day, some of these tactics of I tell you what to do and you do it was a way to get things done. And it was very results driven. But in, in the world that we live in today and in the, in the opportunities that employees have to go elsewhere if they want is really starting to, to help. Like employees are starting to realize that their employees have a voice and that it should we should probably listen to them or else we're going to continue to suffer from turnover or poor performance actually in your article you you touched on kind of the way that we have changed with the customer experience back in the day it was kind of like i have this product do you want it or not take it yeah. or leave it in today's world we very much value the way that people are using those products or if they like it or not. You talk about TripAdvisor and Amazon, IMDb. Now we can like review the movie or we can review the product. And that's an important part of us understanding if this is a good product or not. You know, you go on to Amazon, you see something that has 5,000 reviews and five stars. Of course, it's a great product. I don't even have to question it. But I feel like we are on the verge of, moving past just customer experience and we're, and ex, and creating an employee experience at work that is very similar where we ask them questions how do you feel how do you get along with your manager do you feel like you have enough autonomy and then taking that data and creating a culture and an experience that these employees can enjoy yeah I mean, what I like uh, about both you know this this shift is that it takes us away. Um, and I think the customer world has done this already and now we're getting uh, into it with the employee world. It takes us away from seeing those metrics as like um, outcomes, like what we want is satisfied customers. You know, that's a, um, an outcome metric. And the same with employee engagement, we want to engage employees and, you know, it's usually a metric that's being tracked. But, you know, uh, those sorts of sites, you mentioned Amazon reviews, et cetera, actually, what you see is, is companies use those to learn about customer wants, needs, desires, how they use that product. Um, and I think the shift from sort of saying, well, sure, we want engaged employees, but really what we want to do is to think more broadly about the employee experience and to learn about what it's like. And the, the best way we can do that is to ask people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to give them a voice. So it, not just because it's empowering for them to contribute their thoughts, their ideas, often in a structured way, but sometimes, you know, uh, you know, free form or, you know, in conversations or, or, or however, but to really use that data as an opportunity to say, so, so what does that tell us? And does it cause us to think differently? 
about the way that we lead and manage people. And I think that's what's key because, um, you know, to me, if we think of these programs as opportunities for, to learn, you know, learning is, I think, the root of real behavioral change and improvement. Like, mm -hmm. I, um, you know, you might chase a, a score or a goal um, and you can use any behavior you want to chase that goal. And, um, but you, you've really no idea whether or not you, you're using the most effective behaviors. Right. And this, and whereas, you know, if you're sort of saying, if you change that from like a goal driven approach to a more growth or learning driven approach, then, um, you give that person the opportunity to really think differently about the way that they approach problems and to be more experimental and to become more effective. And I think that's, you know, we see real trends. Uh, you know, I don't know if things like growth mindset, all those things are, um, they're, they're very popular. Are, are they the right conceptualization? I don't know. I mean, but the, the, my sense is, is that we were starting to understand that the root of a lot of this is, is learning to think differently because learning is, is the real root of, of change. Absolutely. And I do believe that you are on the forefront of helping managers and corporations better understand some of those avenues by putting out articles like this. Is employee engagement just a reflection of personality? There, there is research to show that that could very well be it. And so it's, it's not a matter of, of this is the right way you need to follow this, but continuing to put out content that uh, is research-based and is helping leaders to better become leaders of their organizations and in turn, better engage their employees. Right. And, and I also think, Josh, that the, um, you know, the thing that we touched on in that article is, like, look, if your attitudes say as much about you and your personality as they do about, let's say, your company, um, then we can use that data to help you as an individual too. You know, I like that idea because it empowers you. If you, you know, respond to a survey about your work experience um, and then it gives you some feedback about, okay, so this is what you told us and here are potentially some things that you can do um, that, you, you know, to help you be more engaged uh, and connected, then I see that as like a useful avenue because we know that that's important. Um, and as I say, I think most people right now just feel that many engagement programs are something that the organization does to them. You know, they're as if they are like in the inanimate objects that need to be moved or motivated. I, I don't know about you, but I've never met a person who has, wants to go to work and do a bad job or to feel disengaged. People don't naturally, they, they come to work wanting to, to like their work. You know, you Absolutely. don't, it, it, you know, people, um, have a desire uh, to do that. And so the answer, the question for management or for leadership then is how do you unlock that energy? It isn't how do you create it, it's how do you unlock it or at least remove barriers to, to, um, to creating it. So I think that's an interesting question because very often companies start engagement initiatives because they think they need to drive engagement. But I, I think actually sometimes you need to stop doing things that are disengaging people, you know, getting in the way of people feeling motivated. Yeah. Oh, man, that is, that is amazing and, and so true. I do believe that is the future of engagement that we we are eventually going to just drop off the word engagement because that 
that is the result of our efforts in in trying to unlock like you said their their potential at work and it's just it's it's a matter of caring about it and working towards it and th there's a lot of work to be done but i guess if you were to talk to a manager or a ceo who is very passionate about creating the right work environment but they don't know where to get started and they feel like it's a daunting task. What, what would be some advice that you would give them? Well, so I think the first piece of advice is, uh, you know, think very carefully about how you promote people into leadership positions. You know, how, how do you decide who should lead what business and do you give some consideration to, um, the people management competence of those folks because leadership is highly consequential as i said earlier so you know selecting the right talent i you know having a good model of potential bringing the right people through i think is is particularly important so that's one thing i would say to them the second is look um while there are lots of ways to interpret employee experience and engagement my feeling is is that it starts with really effective job design and usually in many companies, job design is just something that uh, happens, you know, uh, usually at the local management level, it's just a list of stuff to get done. You know, a job is just a list of tasks and activities. Uh, no one really gives any thought to whether or not that job has any motivational value. And I think how we design jobs, I think, is a really important part of creating a great and an engaging employee experience and there's lots of science about good job design you know that we don't really use in organizations and, and that hr and leaders could make much better use of um, and last is you know think differently about careers like right now people think of their career as a um, a series of jobs and I think uh, that's limited. I think these days, because jobs come and go so quickly, as in, you know, we, we're, we are destroying as many jobs as we create. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so it's very difficult to imagine yourself moving through a series of jobs because there are potentially jobs that you could have in future that don't even exist yet. So then the question is, so how do I value people and how do I, you know, manage their career? And the answer is, you know, think of them as bundles of skills. Right, and the job is the the lens almost through which the individual provides value to the organization. So they um, and they'll perform better if they have better skills overlap with their job. Um, but then you know, so do you understand the skills and capabilities of your workforce? How you know what skills are you missing? How can you help people develop and improve, and um, you know focus on skills that are going to have value in future? People love learning. And I think, you know, from a business perspective, it makes a lot of sense to be facilitating skill development in the workforce, particularly right now, because those things are changing so quickly. So I think there are really practical things that a leadership team can do to enhance the employee experience, but also, you know, to drive more HR value by thinking differently about jobs, careers, uh, and, you know, and the, and the way that they uh, select leaders. Mm, very well thought out. And you're absolutely right. Very practical listeners. We have been here with Lewis Garrett. What is the best way to keep in touch with you? Well, so folks can find me on Twitter. Uh, so Lewis Garrett is my uh, Twitter handle, or they can uh, reach out to me 
uh, at, at Mercer, lewis.garrett at mercer.com. I'd be happy to hear from people. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. And, and before we let you go, what is one last piece of advice you would give to people who are in this space, potentially listening to this podcast? What, give, give us one last gem. I think the topic of purpose you know, how do you become a purpose-driven organization? It's not just popular, but it's correct. I think that's, um, people find meaning in purpose. But I think my, my last piece of advice is to realize that um, purpose and meaning are very individual things. They're experienced at the individual level. So, you know, it's not so much about defining what the purpose of your business is, but helping people find their individual purpose and meaning at work can be a very powerful way to drive a stronger engagement and I see some really good examples of companies doing that uh, all over the place right now so great thank you so much for joining us you can also check out all of his articles on the Harvard Business Review and uh, we would very much like to have you on the show again thank you so much for sharing your time and your talents with us and we'll look forward to hearing from you again Thanks, Bill.